Hello everyone and welcome to the York Ending Stigma Let's Talk Mental Health podcast. Um, Here at York Ending Stigma we are a group of people with lived experience of mental ill health talking about our experiences to help break down some barriers and bust some myths and of course to help to end the stigma associated with mental ill health. So on the podcast today we're going to be talking about relationships and mental health. Um, So my name is Emma and I am the project coordinator for York Ending Stigma and I also have my own lived experience. Today I'm joined by four of our fabulous York Ending Stigma champions and they'll all just say hi. So um, today we're joined by Richard. Hi. Miles. Yeah, good afternoon everyone. Hazel. Hi. And Maddie. Hi everyone. Brilliant. So like I said, today we're going to be talking about mental health and relationships. Now relationships can mean lots of things. Romantic relationships, relationships with family members, with friends, with colleagues, etc. The subject is vast. So we've decided we're going to start off with romantic relationships and we'll see where the conversation goes and where the time goes. Um, So I'll just start with a little bit of my experience. And for me, I am what I would describe as a sort of a long term single person. And for me, I think there's a few things there. I I struggle every day or or pretty much daily to manage my mental health. And so part of it is, could I manage a relationship as well as trying to keep my mental health, you know, on an even keel, manage to go to work full time, run my household and and all of that kind of thing. But I also, I've got a lot of self-stigma in terms of why would somebody want to be with me? Um, Which is is quite a sad thing to say. So yeah, that's where I'm at on the uh, romantic relationship uh, state. So a bit of a void for a while. (laughs) So I'm just, it'd be really interesting to see uh, what it's like for for our champions who are here today. So Miles, if you'd like to start us off. Uh, Yeah. um, Wow. What a big subject. Um, Romantic relationships. Yeah. Just to give a little bit of context for me. Um, I'm in my early 50s, but um, a few years ago, there was a lot of things happening for me in my life. Um, and very sadly, I had to separate from my wife partner um, of 32 years. Um, and that was due to uh, my addiction to alcohol um, and my subsequent recovery. But the, the strain that that placed on a very well-established, very loving relationship um, where I Essentially, I suppose my my addiction led me to act, behave in ways that uh, just really were were just simply not good enough. But um, so the addiction really side of things um, did impact on my mental health because I didn't think in a right way, I didn't support in a right way, um, and my only my only driver um, was to to get that next get that next drink. Um, so my my mental health vastly suffered. I went through huge bouts of self-loathing, huge bouts of denial, huge bouts of, um, you know, worthless or feeling worthless. Um, but it had a huge impact on those people around me. Um, and now I can recognize that today, you know, three years into my recovery, but I can recognize just the pain that I actually put everyone through because I was so blind to see it. Um, but it manifests in so many different ways. Um, it made me extremely angry. It made me extremely uh, negative. It made me extremely but um, resentful 
of things because I, I didn't understand actually how ill I was. And I think for a lot of people who don't necessarily or have family or friends maybe who haven't had that uh, that experience of addiction, um, it is classed as a, a mental illness because it is a complete imbalance of of your your brain activity. Um, yeah, thank you, Miles. Mm. And it's really difficult as well as interesting to hear your story and you using the word ill and illness mm -hmm. I think it's really important to to remember that because I picked up rightly or wrongly some elements maybe of self-blame there mm. and I think certainly myself with my own mental ill health boy do I blame myself but mm. actually we're not deliberately um, trying to do anything to harm anyone so I just wanted to kind of chip in with that and also it's made me think of not only is it incredibly difficult, certainly from my point of view, I can only speak for myself, very difficult for me to live with my mental ill health. I cannot begin to imagine <laughs> how difficult it is for family members and friends and supporters, carers, mm. whatever word we want to use um, for, for, for me, um, how difficult it must be for them as well. Relationships, it's a two-way process, isn't it? So. Um, yeah, essentially. I mean, I, I broke all my relationships. I, you know, I isolated from friends who were trying to support. I isolated from, you know, I have two two boys um, and they had to sit back and, and view what was going on for their dad and the impact on their mum because of the way I was acting, etc. Um, and now I'm in a much better place. I've got to start to reestablish those relationships. And that just takes hard work. That takes time and effort. So I just have to work on that every single day um, because I don't know what tomorrow brings. So I'll just focus on today. But I try and apply that really across my whole mental health. So I can recognize now some of those signs of where I start to withdraw, where I start to feel a little bit angrier or where I start to be resentful of other things or shy away from doing everything. So the isolation side of it was very important for me because I didn't want to, I, I felt that shame, I felt that guilt. Um, I didn't want to actually accept yeah. kind of what was going on. So I know there's a lot of work that I'm doing currently um, around that recovery, but also and my general mental health because I let my physical health totally go as well because I really didn't care. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's a very, very complex thing, isn't it? Yeah. And for me, I've just really picked up on the word isolation. Yeah. And just back to what I said as a kind of describing myself as a long term single person. Mm. I feel like in a way it's almost obviously me, but me and my man and all my mental illness isolating myself or mm -hmm. causing that isolation. Um, I'm just um, Richard was nodding away when the word isolation came up as well. So I'm just wondering, Richard, if, if you'd like to share a few thoughts on this subject. Yeah, um, I was um, with my partner for nearly 30 years before he died. He was a lot older than me. Um, and when I, was, when I was younger, when I first started experiencing um, mental health problems, um, I don't know, it, it's... It's difficult to describe how I felt. I have borderline personality disorder. And at that time, I had an intense fear of abandonment. And for me, it was very important that I did find someone who could sort of look after me and be with me over time and 
and yet at the same time, um, I had very low self-esteem um, and I would get very upset by criticism, things like that. And um, yeah, I did wonder whether I'd ever, ever find someone. Um, but I met my partner, we got on very well, we ended up living together, but it wasn't all plain sailing from the beginning. Um, in fact, to begin with, it was very hard. Um, I hadn't been diagnosed at the time that we started living together. And um, there would be things about around my OCD in particular. Um, he would accuse me of behaving selfishly or, and I would just say, oh, well, you know, it, you don't understand it's different for me. Um, and he'd be like, why is it different for you? Um, and at that time, I still wasn't speaking out about my mental health problems because of the stigma and everything. And um, it just became a big weight off my shoulders when I was eventually diagnosed. Um, and I could talk openly about it with my partner then. Um, I think the BPD caused problems for a long time, though. Um, I became very jealous, um, resentful of his friends and... Um, there's a time when I thought that he was having an affair with a close friend and that all blew up. And um, I've got what is known as quiet borderline personality disorder, which is um, it's sometimes described as the high functioning form because although I'm able to go out to work and to lead a, a relatively norm, normal life or outwardly seeming, um, there was used, certainly used to be quite a lot of drama at home that people didn't see. Um, and yeah, I mean, this, this podcast is, is especially interesting for me because of the BPD, because BPD is essentially all about your relationships with other people. It's about emotional instability. Um, and I'm kind of, I'd say, like for a lot of people with the disorder, it started to get much better um, in my 40s. And I'd now say it's pretty much in remission. Um, but... There are still certain things that, that cause problems for me, um, particularly a lingering hypersensitivity. And I pick up on people's emotions very quickly. Um, I can tell straight away if someone's mad with me or, or whatever. And, and um, I still can be a bit paranoid as well. Sometimes I think people are talking about me or... Um, and I mean, no doubt this will come, come up later, but social media can be a bit of a bit of a nightmare at times for various reasons. Um, yeah, I, yeah, 
You've covered an awful lot there, <laughs> Richard. Thank you. Thank you. And Richard. really, I really appreciate your honesty. And I think for me as well, that really important thing of it's great to hear you were in a relationship for 30 years. That certainly gives me a lot of hope for my future. Great to hear you saying about things improving and sort of almost being in, in remission and that kind of thing. But equally, I think it's really important to acknowledge, like I think you said, a very bumpy, bumpy, not plain sailing, I think mm. was your yes. phrase. Yeah. And I think that's really important. I, I've been asked within the past couple of years, you know, am I cured? You know, in inverted commas. <laughs> I think, whoa, you know, and it's kind of like this black and white view. And actually, as, as we know, and certainly here at York End in Stigma, mental health it's on a on a kind of spectrum isn't it we've all got a mind we've all got mental health um but that was really interesting richard and like you say i'm i'm sure we'll um, come back to some of those items that you mentioned um, a bit later on but i just want to make sure that we um hear from maddie and hazel as well so maddie if you'd like to give us a bit of your experience yeah absolutely um so i've been um I'd say single for quite a while until rel- relatively recently. Um, so um, I'm, I'm glad you guys can't see me because I'm blushing horribly about that. <laughs> but, um, it's all very positive. Um, but um, the biggest barrier for me is that I suffer from social anxiety. So um, I think we all obviously get nervous when we try and um, meet other people and especially in a dating situation. But um, that obviously was even worse uh, for me so I sort of um even just getting out and, and meeting people um was a challenge to begin with um and it was interesting that we were talking about this kind of isolation aspect too because um I think like um like quite a few people although I'm just speaking for myself here um I also sort of had that negative narrative that oh you know no one's gonna be able to put up with me and and the sort of quirks and baggage I come with so you know what's the point and maybe there was an element of um you know being abandoned in that as well but um I got quite good at sort of telling myself you know I'm independent I don't need I don't need any of that and um I'm fine which which I am I think but actually um now going into this new relationship it's sort of um you know taught me a lot about myself and my self-worth and things like that and um, yeah, so far it's it's going pretty well, and I actually sort of gave myself a stern talking to, and was like, "You're going to be, you know, honest as you want to be from the beginning." And so far, I've been quite open about my mental health, and to be honest, um, that's been amazing. Um, <laughs> he, he is very lovely, um, but yeah, so far, um, I think obviously everyone um, shares their own mental health story and their background um, as much or as little as they like, but. Um, for me, I, I sort of feel now that I can be a bit more of my genuine self and that's a really positive thing. That yeah. sounds great, Maddie. Yeah. And I can hear the positivity in your voice. And just when you were saying about oh, thinking you might not be good enough for a relationship, yeah. there's lots of nodding going on around the room. So I, I think we're, we're all here um, feeling a, a very similar thing. Um, I think as well, the yeah, they're the not, the not being, I mean, I can really relate to, to the to the not being good enough. Um, but it sounds so positive um, from your tone of voice. And yeah, congratulations. And Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I guess the other thing for me with the anxiety, which is always going to be there is like the inconsistency of it. So obviously, sometimes I'm obviously fine. And today I'm doing this, which is a huge thing for me um, as well. Um, and then other days I'm like, oh no, you know, my social battery is really flat. And even if I 
want to talk to these people I just I just can't deal with it so yeah that that is still something I'm sort of coming to terms with but um yeah it's trying to stay positive I guess yeah and I think um the other thing um, that you mentioned, which really stuck out to me, was about when do you say, like you said, you've been very open in your mm. current relationship and, and straight away talked about your mental health. I have, and we, we have this thing at your Kenyan Stigma where we say we don't do competitive suffering. So I'm just saying yeah. my experience, not to, <laughs> just, to, just to clarify that. So I experience suicidal depression, um, which some people might, particularly somebody who has no experience of mental health, might view that as being quite extreme. So I'm always really wary. It's like I don't want to lie to someone if I'm just getting to, into a relationship with them and first dates and all of that. But equally, I can't quite bring myself to say that on date number one. <laughs> so it's yeah. really, and then I feel like I'm lying. And da, da, da. So then I'm in this cycle. And like I say, I've been single for, for years now. So stuck in that cycle. But um, that just... Um, kind of resonated with me Maddie but again really good to hear these positive stories and, and people getting into relationships or having been in in, in long-term relationships is really positive um, to hear. Um, Hazel um, if you'd like to let us know what, what your sort of experiences are. Um, well I've been in quite a few relationships in the past um, but my current one uh, what's the date Oh, nine years. Wow. That's the longest I've committed to anything. <laughs> <laughs> nine years. Wow. Congratulations, Hazel. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I didn't realise. But anyway, um, that's my bad. <laughs> um, so, yeah, for, this is the longest I've ever been in a relationship for. Um, it still feels a bit strange thinking about it, really. Um, I mean, obviously it's difficult being in a relationship when you've got any sort of mental health or mental illness. But... I won't say that he understands completely because he doesn't at all, but he accepts it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But yeah. on the sort of coming out of as having a mental illness to your partner thing goes, my story of him is a little bit unusual, possibly, because um, basically a group of mutual friends um, hired a cottage in the middle of nowhere and we went on a drunken weekend. And I'd never met him before, but we had mutual friends. He doesn't drink. We all got very drunk. We played I Have Never. I think he knew, I think he knew all of my secrets in that <laughs> It also probably helped that, um, do, that um, I used to, oh, I still do, but I don't as badly. I, I self-harm, and a lot of my scars were on display during that night, so he knew that as well. So I think he knew everything in that one night. And it was about maybe six months later we got together, so he knew everything before, well, he knew almost everything before we got together. <laughs> which um, maybe is a little bit unusual and maybe, maybe helped a little bit because he knew what he was getting into. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think that possibly helped in my case, but a lot of it is just he doesn't understand. He doesn't at all because it's very difficult to, I suppose, if you don't experience it. But he just he accepts it and he tries to understand. I've been in relationships in the past where people haven't even tried or they've used my mental health against me, if that makes Ooh, sense. yes, yeah. Or in one case, um, when I was bulimic, I was dating a lass with anorexia, and that was a recipe for disaster because we basically just our illnesses fed off each other. We thought we were naive and thought we were stable when we got together, and after about four months, it was like, yeah, this isn't we're good. We're gonna die if we stay together. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've had a varied um, experiences of relationships, I guess. Yeah, and really, just to, to pick on that last point, you know, relationships can be healthy, and also, as you've just pointed out, Hazel, incredibly unhealthy 
And I, I don't know about any of you here, but for me, I always assume that I'm the person in the wrong. I, I, I'm the person that's that's mentally unwell. So I'm the person who's obviously got all the wrong perspective and da, 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 and all this kind of thing. When actually, you know, equally, <laughs> you know, the other person's not, not always perfect. And of course, you know, the other person's mental health as well. Like, you know, it's this assumption because, again, of the stigma and people not necessarily talking about the mental health. Who's to say that the people I've been in relationships before, like as far as I'm aware, they had no mental health issues whatsoever. But actually, might they have done? It's it's difficult to... And having said that, actually, one definitely did. But um, because they were open about it, so I didn't mean that to sound <laughs> quite, as, quite as bad as it sounded. Um, so I'm just kind of thinking back, because like I said, it's been a while for me. Uh, but yes, one person, he, he was open um, about his mental illness. But otherwise, as far as I'm aware, it's people who've not kind of considered themselves to have any mental illness. So, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting perspective I, w- I, th- I think one of the things you've got to remember is relationships are difficult regardless yeah. even if you have two people <laughs> yeah. who are perfectly <laughs> mentally well there will still be problems <laughs> that's true i mean i'm just wondering if any of you think whether your relationship and it might go up and down and vary whether your relationships are good for your mental health bad for your mental health for want of a better term indifferent or yeah i'm just in- interested um richard what, what did you think when you were with your partner for 30 years um, on balance, I'd definitely say it was good for my mental health. Um, as he didn't have any mental health problems or none that I knew about. Um, and, um, yeah, he was like a, a bit of a rock really, you know, sort of helping to, um, keep me stable and, um, yeah, there's always someone there to turn to and talk to. Um, and that's something that I've really missed since he died. You know, when I am feeling low, um, I sometimes get really quite sad, you know, that I can't, you know, just turn to someone and, and tell them how, how I'm feeling, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd say... In some ways, in some ways, it was stressful um, because obviously, I suppose I was more moody and had more little quirks of behaviour than probably most people would. Um, and the OCD, in particular, at times could be stressful because I've got contamination OCD. Um, and especially with him doing most of the cooking and housework, um, you know, I, I sometimes didn't like him touching my stuff or I didn't think that, you know, he was being hygienic enough when he was um, cooking and things like that. And that was, he was very understanding. He did try to to understand once he knew, you know, what the problem was. But um, it was quite stressful, you know, because at times I'd, I'd sort of think, ooh, you know, no, I don't, <laughs> don't want to touch that now. <laughs> um, and um, that's part of the reason, actually, that I don't particularly want a new relationship now. Um, there's... Yeah, 
just too many things that um, I sort of think, well, you know, I'd, I'd rather be at home dealing with these things on my own um, without having someone around triggering me all the time, you know. Um, and you've got to weigh up whether whether it's worth it, you know, for, for the sort of love and affection and care that you get. Um, there's always going to be these difficulties, you know, if you do have a mental health problem. But on the other hand, I suppose I've become closer to my sort of regular friends than I was before. Um, and really, you do value their friendship so much more now. Um, and I suppose I'm quite happy now just having a, 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 a fairly wide circle of good friends. Um, and I mean, I know people sort of um, disparage social media at times, but I've found that that's been very supportive. Um, and I've got, you know, even got people now who I've never even met who I would consider to be good friends just because of my interactions with them on Facebook, you know, and um, that's helpful as well, I find. Yeah, I think it's about sometimes finding the right people as well, isn't it? Finding those supportive people. And I find it fascinating to hear what you're saying about, at the moment, not looking for another relationship and, and the reasons that you gave, but also talking about your friends and friendship, because I feel, for me... I've got a friend, I'm so fortunate that they are someone that I can tell how I'm feeling and I can tell if I'm struggling with my mental health. So although it's not a romantic relationship by any means, it's, it's just simply a friendship. But just having someone that I can be open with, honest with, m makes such a difference to helping me keep as mentally well as, as possible. So I can really understand where you're coming from that. I just wondered, Maddie, because as you've very recently entered into a relationship really keen to hear how you know obviously whatever you want to say don't feel <laughs> pressurized you know whether it's been you know positive negative or the kind of general impact it, it's had on your mental um, health it's been quite positive I think um so I was on dating apps and things like that and it took me a long time <laughs> to actually find someone I clicked with and went through various rounds of being like oh I can't do this I'm <laughs> going to delete this app uh, and stuff like that um so I think a big thing for me was it sounds corny but it really had to be the right time for me and um I think I'm sort of in a good place now or, or as I said where I'm sort of um a bit more comfortable with where I'm at and I have the vocab now to explain you know some of the things I struggle with and I think that that's been really good but yeah so far <laughs> very early days it's it's um it's been really nice and um yeah we'll, we'll see what happens but Again, I have a very, um, very supportive network of friends and I'm quite close to my family as well. So I'm very fortunate in that regard as well to kind of have that, um, yeah, that varied support network, which is great. Um, but yeah, ov overall, quite positive. That's, that's <laughs> so, great to hear, Maddie. And again, yeah. that reinforcement of support networks and the openness and honesty and again I think that's something obviously that we're, we're as a group of people trying to achieve is is that openness and breaking down stigma and barriers and it doesn't necessarily mean on day one telling everybody everything no. but <laughs> it is about 
us being comfortable with with what we say when we say but I certainly know for me that's being completely silent about my mental health is probably one of the worst things I can possibly do <laughs> so it is about picking and choosing um the, the who who I open up to when and how um Miles I could see you nodding um quite a lot when both Richard and Maddie um, were talking so yeah. keen to, to hear what you're thinking yeah I'm just really picking up a little bit on the on the friendship side um because um as I said, I've been in. A, I was in a, a very long-term relationship, and and yeah, the thought of going out on a dating app, mad, definitely no, that's not me. <laughs> um, uh, certainly wouldn't put myself under that pressure. Um, <clears throat> but I think the friendship is is my core. Start with a friend, um, actually, and and what you just expressed there, Emma. Um, I have to be honest with people today. Um, I have a background uh, due to my addiction, etc. But I find that actually sharing that in an honest way, a lot of the friends that I'd lost actually can see my progress back because my mental health, because I'm managing my recovery. Um, people can actually recognize that. They actually say, you're looking well, or actually you're engaging with us, or you're coming to things that we're inviting you. And so so slowly, those kind of connections are coming back in. But for me, the thought of jumping into a, a, a romantic relationship just would scare the life out of me. But actually, I just get, I, that might develop. I don't know. I don't have a plan for it. If it happens, it happens. But really my focus at the moment is on that friendship but being honest with people because you know when I when I explain you know what happened uh, or the chaos that I you know it's a big barrier for a lot of people who go oh oh now I'm not touching you and and it's yeah. kind of but that was me then this is actually me today um, and people recognize that difference and say oh, actually we you know you you're more that person that you used to be before the addiction took hold but I do think, Miles, though, when you say it's really interesting to hear you say the you then and the you now, and it's something I've done in the past, whereas actually I've very reluctantly come to terms that I think I'd be living with mental ill health for, for, for my whole life. So I know addiction and recovery from addiction is, is a very different thing. Mm. But it's it's very interesting because I think as a group of people, we're very negative and harsh on ourselves. Mm. And I would like to think, but I know this is a naive and, and hoping for the best world possible, that when you were unwell, that people would be understanding and forgiving. But as we know, hence we're doing our project to end the stigma, yeah, yeah. that is not the case. But it's really interesting to hear maybe a, ever such a slight tinge of self-stigma, which is something I massively do to myself. But I'm not quite sure if I'm getting that right, Miles. So no, I think I, No, I think you are, actually. Um, I suppose what I was saying is, or oh, back to my old self, I think they can see my behaviours are different or more to what my behaviours used to be when I was that yeah. kinder person, when I was that more caring person because addiction is a very selfish illness. Okay, um, yeah. So when I say that people see, recognise those things, they actually see that element and, you know, my values and stuff where I'm actually more considerate, where I'm more kind, where I'm more caring. And I try and apply those to those friendships that we speak about um, because that's where I get some real sense of value and when I get some real sense of connecting with people. You know, if I can do something to support somebody or just be a, be there to listen to somebody else because they're having a particularly not great day and hope that that's reciprocated. So um, I suppose it goes back to having that honesty of saying, do you know what, today's really not a great day for me. And those people around me, those friendships say, do you know what, that's okay, Miles. 
because we, you know, tomorrow's a different day. Um, and that's where the understanding. So you have to, you know, when we talk about disclosure, there has to be an element of disclosure. Otherwise, if people don't quite understand why you might behave that day, or they they're aware and say, and you actually admit and say, do you know what? Today's not a great day. Or actually, today's a fantastic day, and I'm really enjoying it, and I want to share that enthusiasm. But I think it's having those kind of boundaries, having those kind of understandings that people can recognise. Absolutely, Miles. Yeah, thank you for that um, bit of an explanation. And can, can I make a quick point about the um, self-stigma thing? Because I think yeah. it's an important aspect. Mm, um, have, so, so, so um, I've never really seeked out relationships. They just sort of happened. Um, I've never seeked them out because I'm scared to get into mm. one. Because part of my illness is I have psychosis. And even though I am fully aware, I am not a danger to anyone other than myself. Because society thinks I am, I'm scared I will be. So I am terrified to get into relationships in case I might hurt the other person. And I imagine this is, a, this is something that affects many people of different um, mental illnesses because you almost feel like you're going to inflict your illness on the other person, if that makes sense. So I think the self-stigma thing is a really important aspect of relationships in general and avoiding relationships. Yeah, Hazel, I, that's a really, really good point. And... I can only speak for myself, but how I would describe it in my case is I don't want to be a burden on anyone. I don't want them to have to, in inverted commas, put up with my illness or, and it's, but yeah, I, like I'm my harshest critic because I'll see other people who maybe have a, a similar experience to me and I just think, but they're a great person and, and they've got X, Y, Z, but I don't look, look to myself for that. I, I will always worry about being a burden or I don't want people to worry about me either unnecessarily or so I, I do think that's a really important point Hazel. I think there's a point in there as well Emma is that we need to almost learn to be kind to ourselves first <laughs> yeah. before we're kind to other people and I know it's a very difficult thing because I'm almost trying to reconnect I'm trying to please others kind of thing but actually I think I need to look after myself I need to be kind to myself and not attack myself before I can go out and do that with others because if I get things in my head I can overthink things I can absolutely exacerbate them and find that nothing ever happened but I think that's a typical thing with mental health isn't it that people will overthink or catastrophize to actually some to a stage where um you know, it does make you physically or, or you know, yeah. it makes you physically or emotionally absolutely bankrupt. Um, so I go back to the, sometimes we've got to be kind to ourselves and actually say, do you know what, just for the now, for the next hour, I can accept that I'm in a bad mood or, do you know, for an hour, I can accept that I just need to not maybe connect and just gather myself again. Yeah, all easier said than done, but very it is good very, it, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely easy to say. It's yeah. much more difficult to do. But the point is valid. So, yeah. Um, Hazel, I wondered if we could come back to you. So as as the one of us in the, in the group today who, like you say, you've been in your relationship for nine years and you're still in the relationship. So really keen to hear a bit more about that effect on your mental health. Is it overall a positive effect or, or, or not? Or, or what are your thoughts? Um, can it varies be an answer? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because you know, not directly mental health related, I suppose. But 
I quite regularly find it very difficult to leave the house. Mm -hmm. So having someone I know I can go out and do stuff with, any stuff, going for a walk, going shopping, anything, is, is massively helpful to me because otherwise I would basically just be trapped in the house 24 hours a day in my own little pit of self-pity and not knowing what reality is yeah. <laughs> which is also helpful I've always got someone with me to reality check <laughs> yeah I so, mean just just back to that because you, you say that so easily Hazel but obviously for a lot of our listeners to hear you speaking so openly about experience of psychosis it might might be a new new concept to some of our listeners so just you saying about that um your partner helping you to reality check are you able to expand a bit more on, on that um well, I'm kind of lucky. Um, I never fully lose insight. So when someone fully loses insight, it basically means that they will completely believe what they're perceiving as their reality, no matter what anyone else says or does, and no matter what evidence is to, there to contradict, contradict mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I never get to that point. I get to the point where things seem very, very real to me. But if I ask someone else if they are also experiencing them and they're not, and it's a trusted person... I can then put a bit of doubt in and therefore not completely lose sense of what reality is. However, if I was on my own, I don't know. I don't know how that would go. Um, I'd rather not think about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm honest. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, although it's very difficult in a way, because when I first got together with my partner, my psychosis had been, hadn't been there for quite a few years. We're not entirely sure why, but it just had gone away. And then at the beginning of 2020, possibly due to the stress of the c word um, <laughs> it, it came back and then i had to explain this all to him and he had to very quickly adapt which i'm quite impressed that he did to be honest because um i very much thought he was going to be like oh god this is far too much and run away but then again lockdown maybe he was forced to make horse to adapt sure. <laughs> <laughs> again hazel just to come in on that kind of self-depreciating type of type of thing i mean um, we as a group know you through the project, so we've known you for, I don't know, about a year and a half or so or, or, or whatever. And, you know, some of the things you've mentioned throughout this podcast, so other people, you know, perceiving that people who experience psychosis are dangerous or, and like you said, or people putting up with you. But those are just words that never, ever come to mind when I think of you. Because you're someone who participates in our project, um, it, it's just, it's really interesting. I think it's that stigma, isn't it? And we're perhaps a group of people who are more open-minded to, to concepts of different types of mental illness. I'm not really sure. Um, I think it's in part my sense of humour as well, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and just the fact that, you know, like like everyone here, you know, great all-round human being as well. I think, you know, you have to take some credit for that as well, Hazel. So, um, Hazel, did you want to add... I've digressed a bit. So did you want to add anything else about your... Sort of the impact of your current um, relationship on your message. Obviously, it sounded really positive in terms of the reality checks and and the the not living on your own. And I think that's one thing because I do live on my own at the moment. I've lived in house shares and had housemates and things. Um, so though I've been single, I am actually now for the first time in a really long time, in over ten years, I live on my own. And I do think seeing other human beings <laughs> or messaging other human beings to have that kind of I can't remember if you used the phrase stuck in your own head. I know that I can sort of ruminate on something ridiculous. And it's because it's like, oh, hang on a minute. Actually, I need to pick up the phone. I need to go out the, out, out the home. I need to whatever. 
Um, so I can, yeah, see the advantages of having someone else there. But there are negatives as well. Um, <laughs> you've got to think about someone else a lot, which I know makes me sound very funny. <laughs> <but> <laughs> part, part of the issue I have is I always am terrified of imposing myself on other people. So it really irritates him this. I have to find out in advance what his plans are from one day to the next so I can slot myself around his plans. And it irritates the hell out of him because he thinks I should just plan stuff and do stuff. <laughs> but in my head, if I do that, I mean selfish. Oh. So, so yeah, there are negatives as well and it becomes a very complicated mess. <laughs> but It yeah. sounds, Hazel, and I, I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth, so please agree, disagree. It sounds as though you're really open with your partner. And to me... Again, I can only come from personal experience. I do find that as difficult as it can be for me to to speak out about mental illness, with the right people and with the right attitude to it all, it is so positive and helpful. So do you find you're able to be completely honest and open with your partner or, or how's that like on a sort of daily basis? I wouldn't say 100% open and honest, but um, I try to be as much as I can. I've, I've been in relationships in the past where I tried to hide all of it. And that did not go well. <laughs> it's quite um, a few nods around the room. <laughs> <laughs> so, let, let, let's just say I've learned from experience that you can't do that, especially not when every now and again you may have a psychotic episode because that's you're a person. <laughs> and also, I'm I'm fairly covered in scars, so yeah. um, I don't want someone to see them for the first time in like a um, let's say bedroom situation yeah. because that's going to close questions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's the emotional side of things, but also like the practical side of things as well, isn't it? Um, I'm aware, you know, time flies. So I just want to go back to to Maddie to see, um, obviously you've been listening in to, to, to what we've been saying. Is there anything else um, you haven't had a chance to say or, or something you would like to add? Um, uh, well, you put me on the spot now. Well, that's okay, Maddie. Um, you, you have a think. And because Richard yeah. and Miles were nodding away to, to some of the things okay. that Hazel was saying. So I think... Um, if um, I go to you first, Richard, is there any further thoughts or anything you've not had a chance to say? Um, yeah, I, I think that just to say that um, there's, you almost feel pressure in our society to be in a serious, intimate relationship with someone. Um and I think that pressure is felt even more acutely by people with mental health problems um, because um, you're very, they're very much aware of all the, all the difficulties that a close relationship could bring. Um, and at one time, I thought that I would never survive on my own, living on my own. Um, but actually, I coped surprisingly well with the death of my partner, and I've coped surprisingly well since. And um, it's nice to feel, you know, to feel that I can be independent, and yet at the same time, I can be happy um, with my friends, with my hobbies and the things that I do. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I would say that, yeah, whilst, whilst if you do have a close relationship, long-term relationship with someone and it works, that's brilliant. 
But I don't think that people should feel that, you know, it's the only option. You know, you can still lead a relatively happy life um, with... um, yeah, don't be too ups. optimistic, yes. Richard. Then you're relatively happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's us all over, isn't it? No, I think yes, yeah. it's um, a really, really important point about the society equating this happiness. And it's made me think of something which we just so haven't got time for today. I mean, I'm a 40-year-old woman and I don't have children. That's a whole other question. And again, I think about it in terms of mental health and worrying about Pass, in inverted commas, passing things on to children or not or what. And it's been an internal debate, which we certainly haven't got time for today, but perhaps that's another podcast in the making. Um, but I think if if we um, come back to Miles and then Maddie and Hazel, if you have any final thoughts, get thinking. Um, but Miles, you were nodding away to quite a few things. Yeah, I was just um, sort of quietly chuckling when Hazel said about, um, you know, hiding things, putting masks on because, um, you know, in my chaos, um I couldn't see what was going on in my life um, and I just used to pretend um, that everything was good. Yes, I'm in a good job. Yes, I'm, I've am i got a settled family. Yes, I'm doing this and I'm successful, blah, blah, blah. And actually internally I was absolutely dying yeah. um, because I didn't want to face the, the reality of what it was. And it took years to actually get to that point. It took years of actually losing those relationships with people, losing those work relationships, losing those romantic relationships to actually find out that, yeah, I need to do something. And that was where I had to open up about that honesty. Yeah. It it comes back time and time again, doesn't it? It does. Speaking up and being honest about, obviously, very difficult thoughts and feelings that we have as human beings. Yeah. I mean, the psychosis that Hazel was speaking about as well, you know, I went through bouts of that as well. Um, And just in in that recovery angle, you know, you have to, you know, I've, I've just be very conscious that when I'm discussing things that I'm not kind of re-traumatizing either myself or actually the, the person that I might be speaking with because I don't know what's happened in their scenario. And by me sharing my stuff, I might actually be causing a, a concern for them as well because it might bring something up there. So it, it's a balance, but I think that that goes back to the honesty um, and making sure that the people and 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 if people if you start to explain them and you sense that people are saying oh I don't really want to hear understand that that's fine oh um, yes you know come yeah. back another time and we can chat it but yeah. I suppose that's just the I want to say gentleman's agreement that's the wrong word but you know just just be kind to the other person because it's uh, that mutual understanding it is but yeah. again I think relies on mutually speaking up as well and, and honesty, honesty and speaking out seems to be a, a bit of a theme here and I think mm. it is a key to, to success whatever successful means in terms of relationships but thank you for that Miles um, Maddie is, is there anything else you'd like to yeah um, um, I was just going to go back to sort of the the pressure um, society puts on people to be in a relationship and maybe what a relationship should also look like and I think for me um being in this kind of positive uh, phase right now the biggest thing was sort of you know throwing that out <laughs> out of my mind basically and just saying you know do what's right for you in your own time and a relationship for you might look very different to someone else but you know that that doesn't matter it doesn't make it any more invalid or anything like that so yeah I find it quite liberating to just sort of yeah, be my genuine self and find someone that obviously um, is very understanding of that. Um, but yes, I'm 
hopeful, let's <laughs> say. Brilliant, Maddie. Uh, which is a great thing. And I think that the words genuine self, again, I think mm-hmm. is really, lots of nodding around the room is re- really important. Uh, Hazel, is there anything you'd like to, to add? Um, well, it's just occurred to me that I may have accidentally made it sound like my partner's my carer. I'd like to make that <laughs> when I'm very ill, yes, it does sort of have a little bit of that dynamic, but there is more to it than that. So I just wanted to make it clear I, I, I wouldn't want to accidentally uh, make him look like he was just my carer. You certainly didn't to me, Hazel, but, uh, but obviously I'm really glad that you brought that up because obviously... We don't know what our audience is, is thinking and, and interpreting. Um, and that's, again, a really important um, point. Um, we are sharing our experiences. There are experiences for listeners to, to, take, to take as you want. Um, we're certainly not, I mean, crikey, I'm certainly no relationship expert. <laughs> we're not, we certainly don't intend to um, come across as telling people what to do or, or not to do. We're simply sharing our experiences um, with the hope um, to help bust some of those myths and stigmas of, of what it's like to be in a relationship um, as someone who struggles with their mental health. And I think, uh, you know, time really does fly when we're having fun, as it were. That's such a cheesy pun. We, we might have to delete that. Who knows? You might all still be hearing it. <laughs> but on that note, I'd just like to say thank you very much to our champions today. So thank you to Richard, Miles, Hazel and Maddie for joining us today. And thank you for me. Thanks. Recorded and produced by the AV Club Podcast Production.